Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Labs Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Radke, here as always with Julian Andrews. Julian, what's up? You know, uh, not much. It's a bright, extremely cold day here in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. I think the high today was negative five. The sun is right in my eyes coming through my office window. So, you know, very comfortable. Yes, yeah, the sun plays tricks on us during this weather because you look outside and you're like, you know, it's not that bad. And then you go outside and you wonder why you, it's not bad. Yeah, like just don't it's go outside bad. for five days. That's what it's like in Minneapolis right now. Um, but that's not here nor there. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest today, uh, Doug Feinberg, writer for the Associated Press, um, women's basketball reporter. Doug, how are you? Well, fellas, first off, thanks for having me. Second off, I got you beat by about 15 degrees today. I think it was about 10 in New York, wind chill probably around zero. Um, but the, I guess the joy of all these times, right? You don't have to go outside for the most part anymore. So it could be 10, it could be 70. It's sunny out, looks nice, but I've been in my apartment. So uh, like you guys, uh, better be inside in the warmth talking basketball than being outside in the cold. Yeah, my car uh, is 100% dead because mm. I didn't start it enough in the cold, but I don't have to commute. So that's the problem we're dealing with later. I yeah, I got a text from my uh, my dad, and he asked me if I started my car in the last few days because I'm 30 and I still rely on that in my life, I guess. And I haven't. I'm just it's just there, and we'll 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 deal with it in three days. Um, but and and that's where we are. Um, Doug, uh, we don't need to talk about the weather, I guess. Um, but we we certainly can. Um, I I mean, we talked about this before, right before you came on. Um, Hey, not a bad time to be a Minnesota Lynx fan, huh? You know, they don't have down years in Minnesota. They just keep on reloading with more talent. I mean, coach slash GM Cheryl Reeve has done a tremendous job once again, getting a lot of talent there. I mean, the hall they have so far in free agency, adding Natalie Achanwa, Kevin McBride, and Ariel Powers eventually. That, that's a pretty good three to add to a pretty strong team they had coming back already. Yeah, and I, I, we talked about this on a podcast earlier, and it seems like Cheryl has, um, over the last three years, she had that tough transition from that 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 um, you know the, the last championship in, in 2017, and it was a transition of like, okay, let's do it again, and you don't really have a you know once you win a title, like yeah, you have to bring it back. That's that that's what you do. But there was that transition where it was such a fine line between. Like, should we blow the whole thing up because, you know, there's so many aging players on this team and, and, and everything. And then there was the fine line of like, no, we're going to like compete and rebuild um, at the same time. And, oh, my goodness, I don't think it could have worked out better. I mean, let's be honest. They, they had two really good drafts the last two years, getting Fee Collier two years ago in the draft and then getting Crystal Dangerfield. I mean, that those are two really strong additions to their team. And those were, I think, the, uh, Collier was the number six pick. And Dangerfield, I think, was the first pick in the second round last year, if I remember correctly. So that's not getting, hey, we got Brianna Stewart in the number one pick. We got whoever, Sabrina Inescu, whoever the number one pick is. They had to sort of do the right move to get that great draft pick as a middle pick or a, or early second round pick. And, and I was on a Zoom with her the other day, and Cheryl's like, listen, she told Glenn Taylor, the owner, like, I, I don't do rebuilding. Like I, I'm not, that's not what I'm about. And she hasn't had to, and they've been really good for many years. You, it's tough to say you lose 
one of the best players of all time in Maya Moore, who knows if she's coming back or not ever, but still be competitive and still be one of the top teams and make the playoffs and, and be in the semifinals last season. So like you're right, they, they don't, they don't rebuild. They just reload and they're, they've been really good. And they're probably one of the, the top teams right now to be competitive for a title next year. So uh, you mentioned kind of this, this rebuilding and the depth right now looks great. Who do you see starting? Like if you're Cheryl, who do you put on? I mean, obviously you're not Cheryl Reeve, but who do you, who do you throw out there? Cause you have, you know, Dantas who's been great. Um, but then you have these kind of new additions and uh, like a lot of depth at a lot of positions. And it, it's not obvious to me who starts. So do you think they they have ideas or is it truly just going to be a competitive training camp and they'll see. Well, I'm sure she has ideas. No, no question. I, I know Cheryl yeah. she knows what she wants to do going in. I don't think they're done making moves yet. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge numbers guy per se, as far as like salary caps go. You guys probably know better than I do. I don't think they can afford everybody right now is the way the team is construed. So there might be another move. If you go by purely who's on their roster at this moment, I would think you have Sims in that mix. You have um, obviously Sill is starting in center. No question. Dantes is in there. Um, you have McBride at the two, you have Collier at the three or the four, which means you may have Dangerfield coming in as the seventh man or sixth man. Um, you may have a Chandler as the backup center. So, I mean, those seven are probably in the mix. And, and then Carlton who had a great year for them. So they're very deep as far as, I mean, I, I played basketball at a, in, in high school and college. I've coached basketball at the high school for the last 27 years or so. To me, it's never about who starts, it's who finishes. So, it's great. I mean, listen, it's all about who starts in games. That's what makes you the money. But if you, if I'm a player, I want to be on the court when there's two minutes left and it's a tie game. That's when you know that's that matters more. You can get a nice token start. You get the the, the name announced the starting lineup, so to speak. But you want to be out there when the when the when the money's on the line and crunch time. That to me is more important. And that lineup, only Cheryl probably knows what that is right now. Yeah. Totally fair. If you had to put money on it right now, who would you say the Lynx's leading scorer will be? Wow. Huh. Um, I, I would think Collier's probably the number one choice in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think they play through Sill. I mean, Big Sill has, has been the, the, the force of them. If she's healthy, she, they play through her. So it could be so, but I mean, Collier is probably the one if she gets a little more selfish and it's a weird thing to say about a player, but I think she was more team oriented, get everyone involved more than looking for her own, so to speak. But I, I think Collier is probably going to be their leading scorer. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, she's shown that she can do it. So yeah, I guess I would also be surprised to see that even with the new additions, I would be surprised to see that offense not feature her. Julian, do you brush your teeth? Yes, I do, Kyle. Yes, I do. It's an important thing to do, brushing your teeth. I don't even care if, if you're if you're just at home all day um, and you think, I don't need to brush my teeth today. Yes, you do. You need to brush your teeth. It's an important thing every day. And um, maybe you're maybe, maybe you don't brush your teeth because you don't like your toothbrush. Uh, I have some concerns still, but then you should get a new toothbrush. And I have one for you. It's called Grippy. It's a new toothbrush. They look awesome. Um, if you're traveling anywhere this is the brush for you. Go get one, get grippy.com, find your angle and feel the difference. And Hey, here at 10,000 lamps, we want to, we, we want to get back to the people. We want you to brush your teeth. We're all about helping people. We're that's, about helping the people whole MO. while, while maybe helping ourselves to um, use the promo code layups. Um, 
all caps, maybe no caps, but try all caps. That's that's what I have in my notes here. All caps layups. You'll get twenty percent off your purchase, um, no matter how high it is. You want to spend a thousand dollars on on toothbrushes? Good for you. Two hundred dollars off. You can buy a lot of grippies for a thousand dollars. Yes, and you then can. you'll have and then you'll have toothbrushes for life, and uh, you'll spend you know two hundred dollars less than you would normally if you don't use promo code layups. So it sounds like a good deal to me. It's a great deal. Go to getgrippy.com. Use the promo code layups. That's a really nice kind of overview on the links, but there was also, you know, there's a lot of other moves in the WNBA. And I think that this, at least, um, you know, from my perspective, this has been the year where there's been the most interest in WNBA free agency, at least that I've seen online on Twitter. Um, it feels kind of a building, a continuation of previous years because not you, you have seen that momentum kind of building, but what do you what do you think about this year has made interest so high? Why are people kind of finally tuning into this? Well, I mean, we've seen in other sports. The WNBA for many years sort of went into hibernation in the winter. When players went overseas, people weren't talking about it. It was just like, you know, they're a nice league from April through October. And then they go and they play on, on their other teams and you sort of forget about them. But I think the, the new CBA that was ratified last year is a big part of this. There's more chance for player movement and there just creates buzz. I mean, it's exciting when you hear players can move. I mean, listen, Candace Parker is one of the probably five greatest players in the history of the WNBA or the top 10. She left LA where she played her entire career to go to Chicago. That has not happened in the past in the WNBA for the most part. I mean, Diane Taurasi stayed in Phoenix, Sue Bird stayed in Seattle. So there isn't that much movement in free agency. I mean, you guys know better than I do. I don't think the links, for the most part, were built on free agents. I mean, Maya Moore was drafted. Sill was a trade. Lindsey Whalen was a trade. Um, Brunson, I don't remember how she got to Minnesota, but a dispersal draft, I think, or the okay. Yeah. So I mean, the, the core was not based off. Simone Augustus was drafted. Like it's not through free agency, and you have that now around the league, and it's great. And, and I, I joke with Diana Taurasi as like. Wouldn't it kill you to like gone to LA for dinner and like just be seen with Derek Fisher, like create buzz off of <laughs> right? The men's side, Kevin Durant has dinner with somebody. Oh my God, he's going to that that team. LeBron is dinner, so he's going to that team. Like it creates buzz. And I think as I said, to 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 get back to your initial question, the new CBA has helped that. Having years of cord players has helped that. And I think it's only going to be like this for the rest of the immediate future, as long as CBA CBA is around here. We'll see more movement, and that, I think that's good. It creates buzz. It creates interest in the league. Yeah, I, I'm 100%. And um, like last year when I remember Simone, uh, it was when I worked for the team, I remember getting the text saying that she was going to go to L.A. and we had to prep some stuff. And I remember just like that that sinking feeling and of like, wait, what? No, 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 this does not happen you know, to the links, And it certainly doesn't happen very often in WNBA. And while every Lynx fan would still want Simone in the roster – I mean, you have two or three games a year where you're circling. And even if you're, you know, not a diehard fan, those are games you're watching because you want to see Simone wear a Sparks uniform, which seems so weird. Um, you know, and it's it's gonna be just the, the same, you know, with Candace um leaving. And yeah, I I think that's just it, it's it's the intrigue because we we saw last year during the playoffs um in the bubble or, or the whole season really like people were more interested and i think it's just so good for the game to just keep the ball rolling 
Um, how have you seen that? And, and you're probably asked about this all the time, but um, like as far as coverage and popularity of the WNBA goes, like the last year, the last two years, the last three years, um, it seems like we're trending in the right direction. But then again, like, you know, we're around it all the time. So I guess I don't know. But like, is that what you see? So I, I do see that. I mean, you are in Minnesota. You, I'll go back a few years in the, the social justice movement and the Black Lives Matter. Minnesota was one of the first teams to be in the forefront when the captain sat there and had a press conference discussing the shootings. And back then it was noticed in WNBA circles, but it didn't really make the national circle, so to speak. This past year with the bubble, social justice was in the front of every discussion for, for any sport. But the WNBA actually was starting to get credit for it. Like the, the NBA players say, hey, our, our sisters in the WNBA were doing this for years. They didn't just jump on the bandwagon now. And that, to me, was a, a, a huge sign of respect that other athletes were saying, hey, the WNBA players have been doing that for years. And I think that helps. It makes it more mainstream. I mean, you see, for better or for worse, NBA writers tweeting about WNBA news, breaking WNBA news. And, and that's a good thing. And you hope – listen, I, I've covered the league now for 13 years. I hope they stick around and write stories about the players. There would be nothing better for their audience to see what's going on in the WNBA. So that to me is more mainstream. And I think that helps. And it, it is trending in the right direction. I mean, there's, it's, if, you're, if you're not seen, it's tough to be heard, so to speak. And there are more games on national television this past year, on ESPN, on CBS. That helps to get the sort of the message out there and, and show the game. And I think that's a very useful thing for the WNBA. So, yeah, it's trending in the right direction, no question. How big it can get – I'm a realist. It's, it's never going to be as big as the the four major men's sports with, with the NBA, NFL, NHL, and, and baseball. That, that's not realistic. But it can keep on growing. I think there. I think I saw a stat that the only two sports last year that grew television audiences were the WNBA and the women's soccer. And that to me is a good sign that people were paying attention to it. So yeah, it's going the right direction. It's trending the right way. There's more people getting involved. There's more podcasts. There's more reporters. And that's I, I I always go between um and, and Cheryl Reeve always talks about this where but between like the national or the, the the natural um just evolution of growing a game right where you looked at the NBA and there was NBA finals on tape delays right in, in there early and she always she always goes back to that comparison of like well at this point in the NBA's history this was happening um and I, I and I agree with you like if we're going to compare the WNBA and the NBA and 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 you know, whether it's money or ratings or whatever, it's like, well, that's, that's not fair. And that's not really what, what we're, what we should be talking about, but um, what's next? Like, what, is it just like continue to market the way they, they, they've been marketing and slowly people come. I mean, for me, I think like the free agency thing that you just talked about, I think that's so huge because I think you just pay attention to every move and um, yeah, I, I, I just think that the constant year round, um, monitoring. Yeah. I mean, it helps. I mean, let, let's be honest, the salaries are going up and that, that's helpful. Players can now have more reason to stay in the U S in market than go overseas and play in the winter in Russia, Turkey, China, Australia, France, Spain, na name your country. So that will help them again, being seen if a player's, if Nafisa Collier is in the Minnesota market for 12 months a year, that makes her more valuable as a, a brand and makes the links more valuable. Like, Hey, our star players here all the time. And I think is important. Um, as far as the next step, you're right. You, you can't compare it. I mean, 
it's funny to use the NBA's first 20 years versus the WNBA's first 20 years, or I guess we're 25 now. Well, back when the NBA first started, TV was very different. There was no internet. There's no social media. And those things have helped the WNBA. One of the greatest things, I mean, there, there was, there have been very few good things in the last year because of the coronavirus. But one of the things I think it has been a positive has been Zoom or been ways for teams to connect media with them with sense that I could never cover a Minnesota Lynx game a press conference with Cheryl Reeve after the game unless I was there. But with everyone playing in the bubble, the WNBA did a tremendous job of giving out every day a Zoom link for every team so that media could jump in and say, hey, I can jump on the Minnesota Zoom link today for the post game or the Cheryl's having availability or players are available. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think it's definitely uh, something that even before the pandemic, I think the links specifically were, you know, you could, there were some, you know, I remember we we would set up live stream equipment or whatever, but just the ubiquity of it. Um, I think it makes definitely tuning into teams that aren't necessarily in your market also easier um, as a fan of the league. Speaking of the bubble, um, and then obviously, Going forward, what is your what is what's your perspective on how the WNBA is kind of approaching this season with COVID and uh, keeping players safe? Well, I think they have the advantage as opposed to every other one of the major sports that they don't start for another few months potentially. Whereas, I mean, listen, we've seen it in college basketball. There, I mean, if there aren't ten games postponed a night, it's probably a miracle. I think, and we saw it in in the NHL right now. Their their teams getting games getting postponed. The NBA has had games postponed. I'm sure baseball, although it's an outside sport, it may be different. We may have some games postponed when we get started there. I think the W has some perspective. Again, I, I've, I've talked to people who are in the know, so to speak, and there's a lot of scenario planning going on, which was, was Commissioner Engelbert's favorite phrase last year, and it's a fair one. I mean, if they said to me, people said, why is the schedule not out yet? Well, they'd be foolish to put a schedule out right now, knowing the virus is still going crazy and, like, who knows what's going to happen. So, and who knows if it's be Olympics this year? So that could impact the schedule. So I think the bubble is great. I would think, again, financially, if they could do it, maybe going back to the bubble for part of the season may not be a bad idea. But a, a wise man uh, named Dr. Fauci once said, or said probably many times, the virus controls the timeline. I think that is still a very uh, apt statement. And I think that the WNBA has the luxury of having time to figure things out and not have to rush into anything. I'd be surprised if there are full arenas by the time we start the season. I don't think they'd, they'd be smart to do that, and they're a very smart brand. Hopefully, they get some fans in there, but we'll see. I mean, again, you guys know that they travel commercial. This is they don't have chartered planes to fly places like the NBA teams do, so that's putting more risk there. That if you're flying commercial from Minnesota to New York, that that's not easy. You're exposing yourself, so. And there's also the vaccine that's out there right now. So who knows when people are starting to get vaccinated, which makes life easier. So I know I'm not giving you a, a full answer or a straight answer, but I, I think the WNBA is being smart by, by waiting as long as they can to announce things so that they can have the most information out there and be the most up to date with what's going on with the virus. And I think they're positioned well. I think that going back to the bubble is a possibility. Playing games in arenas without fans is a possibility. But we'll see. I mean, I have complete faith in, in the WNBA's front office leadership that they'll get the right, they'll make the right decision to make it work. Yeah. I think that's a really good perspective. Um, and I think Kyle and I have talked a lot about COVID on this podcast and just how various leagues have handled it and how various leagues have not done such a good job of handling it. But I think you're totally right that the, um, the main thing that is, is hurting players is 
when the leagues think that they can make their own rules um, and kind of impose their will upon the virus. And, you know, I understand we've talked about this a lot. Like we understand the impulse to want to have things get back to normal, but there just isn't a path forward that is getting back to normal yet. So, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that uh, you think the WNBA is, is doing a good job. And I, I mean, they've always, they've been really working hard. I think on prioritizing their players. So this feels like, you know, they've established some credibility and some trust there. So I'm, I'm happy to hear you confirm that, but what a, what a couple of years uh, for commissioner Engelbert just taking over and then immediately having to deal with this um, like global crisis um, and also kind of this growth of the league. It's got to be one of the most dynamic jobs out there right now. Well, to her credit, I mean, she came in a well positioned for this. I mean, she was at Deloitte as mm-hmm. charge of them and, and that's crisis management to begin with. So this wasn't a complete stretch. It's good that she had that experience. She's a, a numbers uh, person. So finances, I'm sure they were not easy to figure out with going to a bubble versus not going to a bubble and such. I mean, yeah, it's not been a fun first year and, and such for her, but she's done a great job coming through it. I mean, listen, there are hiccups along the way for anybody, but I thought she did a really nice job as far as navigating things that could be trouble. She was very good in the CBA and, and sort of, negotiating with the players, the union, and getting, I think, the right things that they were looking for. I mean, the the whole additions they made on maternity leave and pregnancy and freezing eggs and things of that nature, which really hadn't been thought about much before, came through for it and gave them raises, gave them a chance to earn more money. I mean, she knows what she's looking for. And as I said, no one's perfect in jobs. And, and she's been dealt a very tough hand to begin her, her commissionership. But I thought she's done a really nice job so far. I want to go back to the um, talking about it's a little easier to cover games. And I think that's been one of the I think the the reaction right away from, I think, uh, media was when this all happened was, oh, my gosh, we're probably never going to be in a locker room again. Um, You know, they might take that away. And like while I think there are certainly positives to being in, you know, in the locker room where you're talking to to players um, and, and you just get that personal level. Um, I agree. I think that's super important, but I do think it opens the door for um, just national coverage for every team because there's no excuse not to click a link rather than actually having to be at the arena. And it creates some flexibility among uh, media companies on, on what they want to do and what they want to cover. And it makes players more, more accessible. Do you think that that, that this, like, I think, throughout this whole thing, we're wondering what's going to stay and what's going to go, not just in sports, but in everyday life. Do you think that, um, the, the, you know, having zoom availabilities and, and not needing to be at the arena all the time, is that something that you think will stick? I do. I I've talked to many people in the know, the PR people at the WNBA people, PR people on teams, coaches on teams, and they all love the Zooms because it gave them a chance to expand their audiences. And I could 100% see when we're back to normal, so to speak, that they'll have a Zoom option. So they, the, the post-game press conference that Cheryl Reeve has, they may have a, a live stream of it for the media who aren't in Minnesota. And they'll go around. I mean, they, they do a great job of the local coverage. Kent Youngblood does a tremendous job for the Star Tribune. Um, and say, at the end, say, hey, is there any questions on Zoom? And that way, people like me could watch it from New York. But, and be able to ask a question if I want, but still taking care of the local media. Um, I think you raise a good question or a good point. 
one thing that is missing or was missing this last year is that personal interaction. And I love going to games and going to pregame shoot rounds or morning shoot rounds and, and, and talking to players and just catching up. I mean, chance to say hello, see other families doing how they're doing and that's gone. And, and that's something that I missed this year. And, and obviously hopefully you'll be able to get back to doing that again when we're back to normal. Um, Cause it, it, it's just a chance to talk to them, a chance to catch up and, and post games tougher because they're, they're either won or lost the game. They're in a rush to get out of there. It's just not the same. And a chance to just shoot the breeze, shoot the breeze with a player pregame is just a nice thing. And I've gotten to know many players over the years from college and the pros and just a great chance to catch up with them. And, and you talk to them on zoom. Uh, it's just not the same. It's not the same sort of interaction that sense you have with them when you actually get to just give them a high five or, or such in person and just to, to catch up and, you see him once a year in the past and or twice a year to just chance to, to talk to them. Yeah. I'm glad we got Kent Youngblood in the podcast. Shout out to Kent, Kent Youngblood, one of my favorite humans um, and, and obviously a, a great reporter. Um, one of the, we call him big happy. He is one of the crabbiest and happiest men I've ever met in my life. And I mean that in the best way. So Kent, if you're listening to this, this is for you. Um, Doug, if you, let's say that uh, you have to make a prediction. Um, well, I'm not going to say let's say. I'm just going to ask you for your prediction. Um, uh, 2021 title. Um, who who wins it and why? Um, well, I'll say this. Last year, I told people on a different medium that I thought Minnesota was my dark horse. And they sure enough had a great season and finished in the top four. And Aaron Freeman, shout out to people in Minnesota. I was ready to go. Thanks for letting people know about us early. I said, listen, I just thought you guys would be pretty good. Um, I mean, the obvious one would probably be Washington. Assuming everyone comes back. I mean, that, that's a valid point right now. I mean, there are question marks. I, I'll phrase this way. Minnesota has the least amount of question marks coming back. Washington with, if virus doesn't change, will Deladon come back because of the virus that she stopped out last year? In, in Las Vegas, will Liz Cambage come back because it's the Olympics and maybe she'll miss time for that as far as like playing for the Australian national team. Same thing, Emma Meesman's going to miss time for Washington playing for the Belgium national team. So there are question marks in other places. Um, I, I think Washington, if they're 100% there, is probably the best team and the deepest team. I mean, you have Maisha Hines-Allen, who was probably one of the top six or seven players this past year, most likely is their sixth or seventh man this year, uh, sixth or seventh woman because you have Delanon, you have Charles, and you have Meesman. So that's a pretty good front line right there. So I, I would, And you had Alicia Clark. So that's another really good player. So Washington is probably my favorite to win the title. If you said, hey, who would you think is the, the, the going in favorite? But Washington's really good. I think Vegas, Minnesota, and Chicago are the next three teams. So Washington's my favorite with those other three. If they cut down the nets in the championship next year, I wouldn't be shocked. It seems um... – like financially, and I don't know any of the finances of the league. I, I have no idea, but just by looking at the talent across the board from every single team, and it, it seems like, especially in the last like four or five years, like you look at some of these rosters and you're like, this play, wait, this player's third off the bench. Like these teams are just so talented now. Um, when it comes to expansion, and I know that, that that's a tough word for a league that, um, you know, especially in, in, in the midst of a pandemic. Um, so, so I don't think we're anywhere close, but do you think that, I mean, is that on the on the radar potentially in the next two, three years? So you, you mentioned a good thing there. I mean, the pandemic obviously has affected finances. And 
I, I actually asked a bunch of GMs this a couple of weeks ago on the, the Zoom. I do the Women's Basketball Conversation Series. And Mike Tebow's point was get your house in order first. So make sure that all your teams right now, the 12 teams they have are financially solvent. And then you can worry about expansion. And I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, I've been asking that question for the presidents and commissioners for the last eight or nine years. And I always get, let's get, make sure we're okay. It's on the, the radar, but how close they are, I'm not sure. I mean, there are a lot of places out there that I think would be really good to have an expansion team. A couple in the Midwest, or sorry, the, the, the Pacific Northwest. Portland has done a great job, obviously, the Trailblazers. I think that would be a really good place to have a team. The, the Oregon and Oregon State College teams have been wonderful the last few years and have been drawing fans, and I think that would be a good place. Obviously, the Golden State area, the, the Bay Area, is, is a huge market, I think, with Stanford and, and Cal, and obviously the Warriors have been so good on the NBA side, and I would think that they'd probably want a team if there is an expansion out there. So that's two spots right there. I think Toronto would be a good spot. I mean, why not go to Canada? There's been a lot of places, a lot of players from Canada that have been in the league, including Natalie Chanwa, who just joined uh, the Lynx, that why not give Toronto? It's another fan base. I mean, let's throw aside this year with the, the Raptors going down to Tampa. But in normal times, they've been drawing there, and why not add a, a women's basketball team there in the WNBA? I mean, they, they're, they're a hotbed of women's basketball, and it's not that far to get to if you're a team. I mean, probably an hour flight from Minnesota, I would think, and hour from New York, it's it's not too hard to get to. That would be three places I would think of expansion if and when the or say when the WNBA is ready to expand, not if. Awesome. Well, that is all we have for you, Doug. You rock. Um, go follow him on Twitter at Doug Feinberg. Doug, are you working on anything? What can we pitch? Um, you know, WNBA wise, every day something new happens. I mean, you had uh, Crystal Lang uh, Horn retire today, and you had uh, the 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 Sonics. Sorry, not the Sonics. The what am I thinking? The Storm, an NBA mode for some reason. You got <laughs> Storm adding. Uh, Candace Dupree. So like every day something new pops up, still WNBA free agency. And then of course, after college, which I cover as well, NCAA tournament going to San Antonio. So I'll be in Texas for three weeks and uh, that'll be a historic tournament having every 64 teams all in one little region. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Everyone go, go follow Doug right now. Um, yeah. Take care and stay safe. You too, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks Doug. Doug. You know, say that it feels right.